Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. You know, we, we began uh, a couple of weeks ago looking at the, at the book of 1 Peter. And we're going to continue in that vein today. I'm going to start in, in verse 13 of 1 Peter, but just by quick you know, recap of what happened in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Peter, Peter wrote to the believers right, that were scattered about the Roman Empire about what he called their great salvation. And, uh, and Wayne, I know that in the song we ask, you know, who am I? I wonder what I could have done. I may never know. Peter says, it's because you were chosen of God by His grace. That's it. You did nothing. You can wonder about it till the cows come home, right? But that's just the fact of the matter. He, in His grace, gave you the faith to believe and change your life. And, uh, and I get it. I get the sentiment of the song because we don't understand such a great grace, do we? I think that's what the, uh, the writer of the song was really saying. But Peter told them they were chosen of God. They were sanctified by the Holy Spirit and they were cleansed by the blood of Jesus. He told them that they had been born again to a living hope that they had obtained an inheritance that was reserved in heaven for them that would never go away, never be taken away, and that would never fade. And uh, we talked about that last week. He told them that the various trials and stuff that they were going through would mature their faith and would result in glory and honor to God. And then he told them, and he tells us, that the salvation that we experienced could only be imagined, if you would, by the prophets of the Old Testament, and that the angels longed to look into it. And I didn't really talk much about that, but, but um, you know, but as, as I think about, you know, that, that, uh, that the gospel was things that the prophets only dreamed of, right? And that the angels longed to look into it. You know, Peter called it in this passage, the grace that would come. A couple of things come to my mind when I read this. What is it that would amaze? What is it that the prophets wouldn't understand that would amaze them? First thing that I thought of was what would amaze them and what they might understand was a forgiveness that was forever. They were used to Commanded to every year, every year, offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. And on the cross, Jesus cried out to tell us, die, it is finished, paid in full. Never again. All of my sins, all of your sins, if you've trusted in Christ, forgiven. Sins in the past, sins in the present, sins in the future forgiven by the blood of Jesus. There's no way the prophets could have understood that. Second thing that I think about 
is the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. When Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to, to live in those that are, his, that are his followers, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Paul called it the mystery of the gospel. That the ever-convincing, the ever-convicting, the ever-comforting, the ever-teaching Holy Spirit of God Himself dwells in us all the time. I kind of understand why the prophets and the angels would long to look in it because I think I wonder sometimes if even I have appreciation for my salvation in that way. But that's what Peter was, was talking about. Now in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Peter moves from describing and explaining our salvation to commanding those of us who have received it as a gift from God through faith in, in Christ Jesus. He is commanding us of the, the obligations and the responsibility that salvation places on us. Now, some of us may not like that. Just the way that's phrased kind of is painful. Obligations and responsibilities to the gift of salvation. But with the, with the gifts, always come responsibilities. Not, not in something that we are expected or that we can do on our own, but with the responsibility and with the obligation, we have the indwelling power of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us to accomplish everything that God would have us to do. So don't ever think it's about works. It's not about works, but it's going to sound a little bit like works. And you know what? Faith that works looks like works. But get it, it's not works. We work because of Christ in us, right? We don't work to get Christ in us. We work because of Christ in us. And it's, uh, it's that simple. Well, here's what he says. I'm going to read verses 13 through 21, and then we're going to come back and, uh, and talk about uh, a little bit more of it. Um, this, is, this is likely to be a short sermon today. I have not felt the greatest since about Thursday and, uh, and I'm sucking on cough lozenges, and, and if I start coughing, I'm going to turn this microphone off and just use this one. So just be prepared for anything that might happen this morning. Amen. But, uh, but here's what he says. After, after he has talked about our salvation, he's going to start talking about what, what that salvation looks like in our lives. He says this in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. In my, in my estimation, the key to this entire passage is that we have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. It kind of says that right in the middle. You know, redeemed is a, is a te- technical term from the slave trade or from a prisoner exchange. It means to purchase release by paying a ransom. And see, Scripture teaches us that, and not only does Scripture teach us, but we all know from our own nature and our own testimony, right, that, that we were sinners, or some of us are sinners, separated by God, separated from God. Paul tells the Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he goes on to say that, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that all who call on the name of the Lord <coughs> will be saved. Saved, redeemed, <coughs> rescued by the blood of Jesus. I pray that, uh, that you have been redeemed. I pray that you have been redeemed. I pray that that you have called on the name of the Lord. That you have understood that your sin keeps you separated from God and will for all eternity without having received the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from all your sin. I pray that you are redeemed. Now, because those of us have been purchased, right? We can, we can call God Father. In fact, he refers to that down in about verse 17. He says, if you who call God Father, right? He's, he's, if you're Christians, if, if that's who you are, right? And, and he, he starts this, he starts this out, I mean, because we've been purchased and we can, because we can call God our Father, there, there are some ways that we ought to live. And this is not just Peter. This is echoed throughout you know, our New Testament Scriptures. The Apostle Paul you know, says in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that your body is not your own? For you were bought with a price. That price is the blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are a possession of God if you've been redeemed. And, and, And upon confirming that and thinking that, Peter then says this. I kind of get a kick out of this first thing, right? He says... Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. 
Gird up the loins of your mind. It's, it's, it's phraseology that we see in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 coming from the Apostle Paul when he's talking about spiritual warfare. He says, gird up your loins. We know they used to wear these long tunics, right? So to gird up your loins and to, would be to get ready for battle, get ready to move, get ready to go, I mean, go to work. Get re- whatever you're getting ready to do other than stand, you got to get ready. So the, the image is, is of hiking up your skirt, right, tucking it into your belt so that you can move, right? I mean, you, you get that picture, right? I mean, we don't wear those clothes anymore, but, but we get that picture. And, and Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind. I think it's what my daddy used to say, boy, you better get your head screwed on right. You guys heard that? Right? If I've heard one of my sons, I've heard all of my sons say numerous times, get your game face on. That's what we're talking about. Peter says, get your head screwed on right. Get your game face on. Get ready to think right so that you can do right. Because you see, everything starts with our thinking. And it doesn't matter whether it's being deceived by what media or others or sin or the devil try to get us to do, right? It's getting our minds right. I'm going to say this more than once. We've got to get our heads screwed on right. And we do that by understanding the Spirit of God lives in us. The Word of God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit of God will teach it to us. And, and we got to gird up our, the loins of our mind. Right? Gird up the loins of our mind. He says, and be sober. Don't lose control of your thoughts and actions. Think about it. The Christian is to live in hope. That's what he ends up, that's what he ends up saying, right? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Christian lives in hope. The Apostle Paul said these threes remain. Faith, hope, and love. And you think, okay, well, you know, what, what does hope really mean? Well, you know, what, you know what hope is? Hope is faith for the future. Right? Faith is living in the present, right? Faith is living in the present. Hope is faith for the future, right? The uh, preacher, John Piper, he calls it future grace. That's what Peter's talking about. We're living, we live with a hope that looks to future grace at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, we we live as spiritual beings. We understand, we look for God's hand, His gracious hand in everything. You know, as we we were getting prepared for this tailgate party Friday night, it occurred to me that about two weeks ago, I thought about, you know, we need something to serve these hamburgers in. So, you know, I typically, you know, I was at Sam's getting supplies. So I went over to get, you know, what we call boats. They're paper trays, you know, and uh, they were out. And I thought, well, I'll try again next week. 
And you know what? I never thought about it again until we were walking over to get something to serve them in. Never thought about it. I told one of the guys that was helping me, I said, you know what? The grace of God might just allow me to find a stack of those underneath that cabinet somewhere. And you know, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Right? God's, God's gracious provision for something as insignificant. I mean, we could have used bowls. We could have used plates. We could have used anything. But what I thought would work best were these boats. And God in His gracious provision just had them there. I mean, there wasn't like a whole new box or anything. I'm not saying He magically did it. But you know what? It's just always, always looking for and expecting the grace of God in our lives. Right? I hope you live that way. It's a glorious way to live. Because He never fails. Now, I even told the guy that was walking with, if they're not there, that's not on God. Right? Because I shopped for them. Right? So if they're not there, that's not on God. I can't be mad at God if they're not there. Right? But in His grace, they were. Amen? <clears throat> he says, hope, future faith. Peter says that we are to rest our hope fully, fully, completely, unreservedly upon that grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says that we are to live our lives with a view and a hope to the future grace of God. All the way up and including the time when Christ returns. See, everything that's going to happen to us in this life is not going to seem like it's right. But we live in the grace of God. We're also to, to live... We're also to live as if this world is not our home. This world is a, is a messed up place, right? But, but what, what is it so often? Well, we're to set our hope on the grace of God. What is it so often that, that it appears we're setting our hope on? You know, I've, I've confessed this to you before, so I guess it doesn't hurt to keep doing it since I haven't stopped. You know, I, uh, I keep an eye on the stock market. Any of the rest of you guys keep your eye on the stock market? Am I all by myself? I must be. Okay. I hope you guys know what I'm talking about, though. You know, the stock market's up and down, more down than up, right? And, uh, and with its fluctuation goes at least a bit of, of uh, paper, wealth or paper poverty or whatever whatever you might call it right and it's in the news a lot and and I just and and I wonder yeah and I, I know I hope not I hope my I know I know that my life is not trusting in wealth I'm not trusting in the stock market right even though I I keep an eye on it I know that my hope is only in the grace of God right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter really whether it's up or whether it's down. It honestly doesn't make a lot of difference. But you know, I can't help it. 
<laughs> you either, probably. Yeah, you know, I, I can't help it. I mean, I just, it's one of those urges that just causes me to click. It's, okay, where's the S&P 500 at today? Oh, my gosh. Or, oh, good. Right? And, and some of you guys are the same way. Maybe not about that. How about the, how about the farm markets? Ooh. You know, or the weather. We're thinking about the, the next possession that you want to buy that gives you hope for the future. We're thinking about a better relationship that might give you hope for the future. Or the next big vacation. Or the new car. Or the new house probably haven't hit everybody yet, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, our human nature is always looking for something else to give us hope. And Peter says, your hope is in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's, that's, that's our hope. And he says we should, we should live in that hope. Get your head screwed on right. Think about it. Gird up the loins of your mind. Understand, realize that your future, your real hope, is just in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, he goes on to say that as the redeemed, we are to live as obedient children. He says that, verse 14, as obedient children... Not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Right? He says, don't, don't live like you did before. You know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You've been created in, as new life. Live in that new life. Paul said, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right, it's the same thing that it's the same thing that, that Peter said. Put off the flesh, put on the spirit of God. This is where it starts sounds sounding a little legalistic that I don't want it to, because this this is not about the doing. This is not about following a bunch of Bible rules. It may very well look like that, but at its heart, that is not what it is. Right? Before we were saved, we didn't know any better. We didn't know what it took to please God. But we're a new creation in Christ now. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. And we can live as obedient children. Obedient to that Holy Spirit that is within us. If we'll get our heads screwed on straight. If we'll gird up the loins of our mind, then we can live as obedient children. I want you to look at the motivation that Peter uses to encourage us to live as obedient children. He says it's because that our Father who called us is holy. He says your Father that called you is holy. Your Father that called you is, is set apart, separated, 
So you be holy. You be set apart. You be separated. You were designed for purposes of God. And he says, get your head screwed on right. Understand that you... You guys getting tired of hearing that yet? Get your head screwed on straight. Understand that you've been set apart for God's purposes. Amen? Blameless. He says, be holy for I am holy. Word holy means blameless, consecrated, set apart for a purpose. God has a purpose for you here. As we live as people obedient to the Holy Spirit and in opposition to our old nature, right? Because that's a purposeful thing too. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Jesus said, crucify the flesh. So as we live in obedience to the Holy Spirit of God, we are at the same time crucifying the old passions, our old desire, our old nature, right? And then we can live in the purposes that God has for us. Also believe that you can, that you can miss it if we don't gird up the loins of our mind. If we don't get our heads on straight, then, then I think that... Uh, that we, can, that we can miss the purposes of God in our lives if we don't have our game face on. Because you see, in this world, it's so easy just to go with the flow without thinking about the new nature and the new, the new person that we are in Christ. It's a purposeful thing. Peter also says that the redeemed, this time he, he says, if if you call on God as Father, right, verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself through your time of stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the perdition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. He says, Knowing that, you re, that, that, uh, that if you call on the Father, if you call on the Father, if you're a Christian, that's what he's saying. If you're a Christian, if you call on the Father, then live your lives. Conduct yourselves while you're here in fear. Well, wait a minute. You know, we just got through singing about you know, God is love. God accepts me. God does, you know, all of that. What's this? Live in fear. You know, that word fear, it, it doesn't necessarily mean just to be afraid, although it can mean that. I don't want to minimize that. Because you see, if we understood the holiness of God, the power of God, the might of God, the expectation of God, we probably would live a little scared. Right? Being his child offsets that. You know, my uh, growing up, a lot of my friends were scared of my dad. He was a very serious guy. And, uh, and he could come across as a very serious guy pretty quick. And, uh, and, and 
most of the time you didn't really want to be around him all that much, right? If you didn't, if you were headed to do something wrong or had done something wrong, because it was just like he knows, right? But I want to tell you something. My dad loved me, right? I had, I had a healthy dose of respect and awe and a little bit of fear, right? But I knew he loved me. And you see, that's the way we relate to God, right? We, we obey him. We seek to honor him. We seek to glorify him. Yes, because he is God but also because he loves us as a father. And Peter says that, look, 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 at, the, look, at, look at what he says is the, is the motivation, right? The, the motivation to, to do that. Peter's always getting them to think about eternity, right? But he says, if you call on the father... If you're a Christian, then conduct yourself throughout your time here in fear, in awe, and in reverence, respect for God and His ways. Because He is a God who without partiality judges each person according to His work. That's another thing we don't preach much. Right? Believer believer Peter's talking to us right he says you live in you live in such a way before your father that loves you in and you conduct your lives in certain in a, in a certain way in obedience to the holy spirit in fear partly because you understand that this god is a god who judges behavior impartially You know, there, there, there will come a time, the Apostle Paul teaches us there, there will come a time when each man's work will be judged by fire. And only that that is done by the Spirit of God will remain. And Peter was encouraging them, right? He wasn't trying to, to produce guilt in them. Right? He's reminding them that the way we live, the way we act, matters. You want know, to think about the, land? I don't even know how long it's been now, 30 years ago, or the WWJD bracelet things, you guys remember that? <coughs> you know, what would Jesus do? <clears throat> right? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that awe and reverence and fear of God was necessarily what was at the motive of that, right? I mean, it was, it was uh, probably just more means of producing guilt than anything else, right? Getting, trying to get people to see what's right and do what's right. But one thing it served to do, every time that I see it, saw it, probably you too, then when I think about it, what would Jesus do? You know what it does a little bit? Helps me get my head screwed on straight. Right? Helps me get my head screwed on straight. Gird up the loins of my mind. Remember the blood of Jesus. 
Remember the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that your behavior matters for the glory of our Father. Not about doing. It is about being from what we really are as children of God. Changed from the inside out, given a new heart. Sometimes we forget these things. Peter wants these followers to remember that how they, they, they've been saved, yes. They have an inheritance, yes. That will never go away, yes. But it matters how you live. It matters how you live. God in His grace has saved us. And God in, in His, the power of His Holy Spirit enables us to do exactly everything that He commands us to do. Are our heads screwed on straight? We're listening. Are we ready? Do we have the, the loins of our mind girded up? And ready to hear God and obey God and to live purposeful lives for His glory. That's the message for this morning, church. Right? Gird up the loins of our mind. God has great things in store for us through His grace as we look full, as we look to only to, to his, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Future grace. Great hope. Right? And that's the way we live our lives. Wayne, come up and lead us in a hymn of invitation. I told you it's going to be a short sermon. But I've said what I came to say. I said what the Lord laid on my heart to say. Get your head screwed on straight, Marty. If that fits for you, then, then you too. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.